You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil. And I'm Erin. And we are continuing to share a little bit about this journey that we have gone on, how our spiritual disciplines and formations and story have changed lately and sent us on this new trajectory of moving across the country, downsizing, and kind of entering a little bit into the unknown. And last week we started talking about simplicity and sort of the call for us to get rid of a ton of what we owned and kind of set off in a new direction. And I think here today we're going to start talking a little bit about what that process was actually like, how it felt, and kind of where we are now. So I will be the first to say that the stuff in our house and in our life was primarily there because of me. Um. (laughs) I've always been a little bit of a, I own like four things and then I own a bunch of books. Yeah, I was going to bring up the books if you didn't, just to to even things out. Which I went from like three giant bookshelves down to like almost one. And I would make everything electronic if I could. But the money to do so is not there at the <laughs> so. moment. So we're keeping some books. Especially, so that's a great place actually to start. Okay, so let's start there. one of the things that I did is, it, and this may feel like it's coming out of left field, but this is really central to what we're doing. We want to be in and among and with other people. Mm-hmm. And we live in a culture and a time now where you can get in your garage, get in your car, Drive to where you're going, get out of your car, go in, do your thing, do your thing, and go back to your home, and essentially interact with nearly nobody. And I'm all for the self checkout machines. That's I know some people don't. You know, I get that, but we're not just talking about that, right? We're talking about the fact that our lives are very, very dis dis um, integrated mm. with each other, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons for that is we have individualized everything Mm -hmm. to the point that even things we could share together, we do not share. And It's a great privilege in our culture to own something. Right. Not just have access to it, but to own it. Right. And so I worked at a library for a little bit of time, and one of the things I realized about my books in my personal library was that I could get them from the public library. Mm -hmm. And so when we all own a book, for example, there were materials that went into making that book. There was money spent to buy the book. We are now storing and protecting that book. And one day that book is going to be either recycled or thrown away. Now, the my great irony is that Phil, as an author, would also still like you to purchase it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, purchase the Kindle version. But yeah, no. And there's something to having a physical book. Yeah. But what I realized is by owning everything, it was not only more expensive and taking up more space, it was removing me from engaging in the world mm-hmm. when I could do a sort of third place, quote unquote where I'm rubbing shoulders with people, I'm sharing with other people, Mm -hmm. I'm interacting with other people. And so one of the sort of journey components of this simplicity thing was we started to ask, do we need to own anything that we can share with the community? It really became a mantra for for us, especially when talking to our children. We don't need to own it 
to enjoy it. Yes. It was really telltale when we went from our personal books to doing the kids' books because I was a teacher and I come from a mother who is a teacher and our parents valued books and we had lots of books and those books were saved and then they were given to us when we had kids so our kids could have those books and then people gave us more books. We were like... <laughs> we were swimming in the children's books. We loved and books. we loved it. They were such good books. In fact, I um I just now today found a box that we had in the in the giveaway pile. And I was like, oh, I do <laughs> love those stories. But friends, they did stay in that pile. And yeah. the reason being because what we told our kids and what we've come to believe is we don't have to own it to enjoy it or to love it. I love so many of those children's book authors. I don't have to own all of their books to be fans of their writing. And what I started doing with the kids, when we were kind of testing this philosophy out, I wasn't, I was not going to give up my childhood library for anything unless I knew for sure this was not going to harm our kids. And so what we started doing is I started picking, just for giggles and grins, an author for the month. And I would go to the library. Actually, I sent Phil to the library. He'd get every single book from that author and bring it home. We did Eric Carl one month. Oh, my word. The kids loved it. We read every Eric Carl book so many times. They now know exactly who Eric Carl is. They love Eric Carl. We own, I think, one Eric Carl book hmm. is in our moving boxes that we kept. We kept one of our most special Eric Carl books. And the rest of them are gone because we recognized and the kids recognized any time that they miss Eric Carl and want to read one of his books, we can go to the library and mommy and daddy will check out Eric Carl books for us and we will get to read that story again. Right. And it became the same thing with DVDs, with CDs, um, and even started to extend into other areas to realize that experiences were what we desired more than things Mm -hmm. and so experiences out in nature experiences out with other people and so of course some of that costs money right and so it started to play in other ways sort of the same you don't have to own it to enjoy it Mm -hmm. how can we enjoy the outdoor space i mean this is one of the reasons we're moving down to florida is we're going to st petersburg and it's a we can live outside year round And Mm -hmm. so we had created a home where we had everything we needed inside. Mm -hmm. And I hate winter and it was fine because we were inside. We had everything we needed. But we're transitioning to say during summertime, we loved, for example, how we would interact with neighbors. People would be out walking around. So we started to say we can go smaller and not have as much stuff and have the time and resources and ability to do things out in the community Mm -hmm. to get to know other people. And so we started getting rid of things that would help us to do that and started rethinking purchases to say, is this, do we need to own this to get enjoyment out of it? Or is there something we'd rather do at this time and these resources? I would also like to add, because I know having kids can be really tricky here with this, especially our one son. He's a little collector. I mean, everything to him is a treasure and it's beloved. He would have been a great 90s kid. Oh my word, would he Pogs, have ever. Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, I mean, the, the tagline of Pokemon has got to catch them all, right? I know. I mean, it, yeah. it totally Which plays. Which they're now into. But it anyway. totally plays into his personality. So... 
with with the kids, just from a practical standpoint to share, and I'm not saying we did this perfectly. I read a ton of child psychology research on it because I was so afraid we were going to ruin our kids because we are doing stuff that was not demonstrated or modeled for us in our family. So many toys. We got rid of so many toys, friends. And they were a part of a lot of the process of deciding. Yeah. You know what? I kept the kids very involved in it. And I know people said, oh, it's just easier to do it without it. And that's great. Like if that works for your family, great. For us, we figured since the whole point was we we as a family were trying to learn how to live with what we truly loved, not just all the stuff we could get our hands on, right. which I think is... Not to sound, I mean, that doesn't sound super great about us, but I think that is that is pretty a good yeah, definition sure. of how, how we acquired so much of that stuff in the first place. You know, and so with the kids, what I would do is I would take them into one of my zones, so my craft room or the kitchen, and I would have them help me go through my stuff. And I'd, I'd hold it up and I'd say, you know what? I just don't know that I need five spatulas. I mean, which one do you see? Which one do we always cook with? And they're like, well, the blue one. I was like, I guess we don't need the other four, do we? And they're like, not really. I'm like, okay. Mind you, they're five and three. So, you know, age appropriate. But so we got rid of the four spatulas. And then we'd look at the plates and we had, oh gosh, I think we had 30 plates of those white ones. I mean, we just acquired them from family and other you know, situations. Yeah, over inherited time. stuff, you know, flea yeah. markets. I love garage sales. So all kinds <laughs> of stuff came in through that. Yeah. So we looked and we're like, well, we're a family of four. And when we have friends over, usually it's four other people. Usually. If not, we usually do paper plates because we don't have a dishwasher. And fun fact, we still won't have a dishwasher. So, <laughs> you know bracing myself for that. That's great though. So, you know, how many dishes do we actually need? How many plates do we really need? So they watched me do that process. So then when we got to their toys, I started saying it the exact same way. Wow, look how many toys we have. Which ones are your favorites? And we actually laid all of their toys out in the dining room. Do you remember that? We had it stacked. It covered the entire dining room table, both of the benches, the floors, the bookcase. And we said, okay guys, what is your favorite? And they put their favorites into the cubbies. We looked at everything else and we're like, we really liked these, didn't we? And they're like, yeah. We're like, we really had fun playing with these, didn't we? And they're like, yeah. I was like, do you think it might be time maybe another boy or girl would like to play with these? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, And not everything was easy. Some things we put on the back burner. We said, well, we'll revisit that. Like, you know, there's some random things they really loved. And, um, but, but it was helpful for all of us. We kind of, everyone in the family went through the process together. So it wasn't something that Phil and I did in private and then expected our kids to be great at. Right. Nor is it something that we did for our kids. And I like to think, hopefully, we, we tried really hard to model it and then mentor them through that same process themselves. Yeah, well, and one of the things I noticed, and you can see the picture on our blog, is... When they had everything under the sun, they didn't really play well with all of it. It would just become a giant, huge mess that was honestly overwhelming. You're right. They would dump out, usually watching them play, they'd dump out three or four bins or different toys and then pick a totally different one, take it into a different room and go play with it. The same favorite one that they then kept in the end. And when we started downsizing they were able to choose a little better. It was a little easier for them. They engaged it better. And 
I mean, I think that's true even in stores, right? We get overwhelmed at a whole shelf full of 75 different choices. That's why I think Trader Joe's is so popular because they limit the choices because it's just a Trader Joe's brand, right? So psychologically, too many choices, I think, actually stalls us out and is unhealthy for us. But anyway, they've, they've seemed to thrive more with less. Mm -hmm. We often think that, oh, but you're depriving them. But in reality, it may be sort of the Jesus turning over everything on its head Mm -hmm. that we're depriving them by giving everything. And it's not just them, but we're realizing the same was true of us, that when we had less, we're finding greater life. We're finding greater freedom. Mm -hmm. Now, within that, I would say not all of it was easy. No, there were many tears shed. Yeah. Many of them mine. Some of it was around sentimentality around things. And I think one one thing, and we'll see what you sort of feel about this, but for me at least... We don't have to own everything that a loved one had in order to continue loving that loved one or to continue to have a memory of that loved one. That to release something is not to forget them. It is not to say you don't care or that you're not grateful. Mm -hmm. But I think we get stuck holding on to so many things because we think we have to. Mm -hmm. And so we've learned throughout this too that we had bins and bins and bins of things and we just didn't need it all anymore. Yeah, I would agree. The the loved ones, the stuff I inherited, that that was really hard for me. And it feels exactly right. I remember there was a pivotal moment. I was sitting in my craft room surrounded by all kinds of trinkets I had inherited. And I didn't actually like any of the trinkets. That's the interesting part. I, if I went into a store, I would not have picked any of mm. them out. Um <laughs> but they were from people I adored and loved and had all these memories of. And man, I think it was a few years ago. I, I remember being willing to part with one out of the <laughs> massive pile. And Phil can attest, there was a lot that I had inherited. And I got rid of one small thing. And what hit me later was that item brought up a memory from the person I loved and that's why I liked that item and funny enough I haven't had it now for three years or so and I can still picture that item and I can still picture that memory Mm. that was a revelation to me that was really Mm. my first time realizing that to part with the thing wasn't to repart with the person that I could trust my brain to remember people I loved. I I don't think before I really did trust myself in that. And so if you are like me and you have a lot of sentimental things, I, my encouragement would be to go very slow and let yourself learn and trust yourself. Let yourself learn to trust that you will remember the important things. And my mom actually had a great idea. I think it's a great idea. I did not end up doing it because, like I said, I learned that I could remember things. But her idea was to take a picture. Yeah. And that way you don't need to have the physical space, but you could have a memory book of things that bring up happy memories for you. I still think that's a great idea, even though it didn't end up serving me and didn't end up being something I used. But there are workarounds but it did require a lot of grace and it required a lot of grace from my family because they didn't particularly like any of those things either. 
And it was very kind of them to most of the time not give me too much grief <laughs> about the fact that I was holding on to stuff that none of us liked because I felt like I ought to or I would lose mm, them all over sure. again. And I would also say, my final final say on the subject of sentimental items, that if you find yourself parting from things, don't be surprised if grief resurfaces. I think I've come to believe that that's quite normal. And sure. yet, coming through and being on this side of it, what I can say is I am genuinely excited to have the few things that I have to remember <laughs> them by now. Yeah. And I'd say the whole family is happier because our home that we are moving is a lot more of the stuff that feels like a home to all of us. It doesn't feel like we're living anymore in somebody else's home well, even it, though they were very special to us all right and i think then overall they're enjoying the extra time they have with us the simplicity of it yep. the cleanliness the less cleaning you know i think I, i'll leave people sort of with this story that it's a cute story i love this story but it sort of exemplified the point for me our kids love pixar's cars movie so mm-hmm. one of the toys they did keep that they have a lot of are the eyeball cars, as they call them. You know, like Lightning McQueen and uh, Miss Fritter and all these characters. And I, I forget which of our sons it was, but they have like a ton of these cars, right? And there was one day where they were trying to go from one place to another in the house, and they were picking up all the cars and then adding more into their hands so that they had cars stacked against their chest, under their chin. You know, they were doing the shoulders hunched, like... <laughs> gathering it all in and they just kept dropping cars and then picking them up and then tears started to come because they couldn't get to where they were going and because their little tiny hands couldn't hold 67 cars right and looking at this and it was just the perfect example of our lives that when we carry all these things through life we're going to drop stuff and we're going to try to pick it up and it's going to cause us to drop other things And the painful thing about this is you don't always get to decide what you're going to drop. Mm -hmm. And so when we have to work so much in order to pay for all of our stuff and insure it, replace it, fix it, we're going to drop something somewhere else. And we have so much stuff to clean and maintain, we're going to drop something. And when you add all the stuff in and the stress it causes, I don't think humans were created to live with so much stuff around us. Mm. We live in a time when we can extraordinarily gather things and I don't think it helps us. I don't think it makes us happy. So there's then an invitation here to say, what are the couple or the few that you actually really desire to carry? And what are the things you no longer need to carry because they're not serving you anymore? And free yourself to release them. I mean, we literally went drawer by drawer, bin by bin, (laughs) not just room by room, We've looked at every single item we own and determined whether we desire to carry it anymore or not. And when we released it, now we know what we own. We can carry it better. And now we can carry our relationships better. We can carry our money better. We can carry our, our time for what we really desire better. And it creates really the space for us to engage out in the world better. And so if you're carrying too many eyeball cars, friends, 
I invite you into this process to literally look at everything. And it might take time. This took, the, the really hardcore part of this process took us a year to really go through everything. And it took multiple passes through. It was like cutting away layers at a time. But then we really whittled it down to now, I think we're just about there to a space where we can carry well what we have. And there's just so much freedom that comes in that. Not just in your physical life, but because everything's linked in our spiritual, mental, relational space as well. When we can come down to truly what we need. So with that, friends, thank you for joining us for this next stage in our journey. We're excited to continue with you next week. And as always, if you've been blessed by this and you're looking to go deeper, you'd like to help support this ministry, which we are now beginning to work on full time, please click on those links below, check out our memberships, and go even deeper in making space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Until next time, friends, grace and peace be with you. 